1: Welcome to Weekend Warriors, the weekly foreign affairs podcast that asks, what else is going on in the world? I'm Essie Cup. This week, the foreign affairs lead story is actually the story we're all talking about. Jamal Khashoggi, the Saudi dissident who was killed inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, just two weeks ago, after dancing around the subject and outright lying about his whereabouts, Saudi officials are preparing to admit that Khashoggi was killed during a, quote, interrogation gone wrong, as if he were accidentally drugged and dismembered and put into boxes and stuffed into a van by a 15-man Saudi assassin team. Nonetheless, President Trump has been deferential, preferring to believe Saudi Arabia until proven otherwise. He suggested Saudi Arabia should be innocent before proven guilty, like Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh should have been. He floated the Saudi propaganda that, quote, rogue killers could have been behind the murder. According to a report in the New York Times, our own intelligence officials are increasingly convinced that Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman is culpable in Khashoggi's killing, but Trump is on a wait-and-see plan. Earlier this week, he promised... Severe punishment if the Saudis were behind this, but has offered nothing but assurances that our relationship with the oil-rich nation will go on as is, with our $110 billion arms deal intact. So is that the right posture? How long can Trump play dumb about a brutal regime? Joining me this week is Max Boot, CNN Global Affairs Analyst and Senior Fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations. His new book, The Corrosion of Conservatism, Why I Left the Right?, it's currently on bookshelves. We'll talk about that in a bit, Max. But first, um, what have you made of the president's response to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi from start to today?
2: What I've made us see is that it's been embarrassing and pathetic. He is not standing up for American values and that you expect a president to do. Instead, uh, President Trump gives every indication of colluding in a cover up with the Saudis of this heinous, grisly, awful uh, murder and dismemberment of a Washington Post contributing columnist. Uh, this has just been a horror show in every, in every way imaginable. Just reading the details of what happened to Jamal Khashoggi is, is it's, I mean, I, I find it hard to get through. I mean, it is so awful, so grisly. And the fact that President Trump is not outraged, the fact that he is more outraged by Canadian milk or he is more outraged by you know, a small number of, of refugees coming to America from, from Honduras I mean, this is this is a, a a man whose moral compass is seriously askew.
1: I want to get to the quote unquote cover up in a second. But first, to play devil's advocate here, and I've I've been where you are uh, on this story, um, outraged by the lack of outrage uh, on behalf of this president. But let me just ask, is there any room in your mind for a cautious approach, given at least at first, our information was coming largely from Turkish officials and, you know, not exactly the most trustworthy characters, especially when it comes to freedom of the press. Is there any room in your mind for that sort of
2: approach? Well, sure. I mean, you have to be skeptical that the Turks obviously have their own agenda. But if, you know, if you believe the reporting coming out, I mean, they also have the goods on the Saudis having apparently bugged the Saudi consulate. So they know what happened. And, and you know, that reporting seems to be confirmed by U.S. intelligence because there have been leaks that U.S. intelligence also concluded that MBS, the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, was behind a plot to to kidnap Jamal Khashoggi. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll expect, skepticism is warranted, and the proper approach is to have an international tribunal that provides a free and fair investigation instead of relying on the Turks and Saudis with their own agendas to tell us what happened. I mean, if you're looking for the Saudis, you know, to find what happened to Jamal Khashoggi, I mean, you might as well be looking for OJ to find the real killers. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be an impartial search for truth.
1: So, what do you make of the idea Trump saying the Saudis and and uh, Prince Salman in particular is innocent until proven guilty?
2: Well, what what Trump was actually I mean it, it's true that innocent until proven guilty is is a good dictum, but what Trump was saying is that he was complaining that he is presumed guilty until found innocent, just like Brett Kavanaugh. Huh, well, right. you know, if I were Brett Kavanaugh, I'd be a little bit annoyed. Wouldn't you
1: hate that comparison. Yes,
2: I would not want to be compared to a crown prince who was allegedly responsible for the death and dismemberment of a journalist, okay? Uh, that is not no. you know that is not the company that I think that Justice Kavanaugh would want to keep. No. Um, you know, the, and, and it's pretty funny that Donald Trump is complaining about the presumption of guilt here, where he is the guy who led chants of lock her up about Hillary Clinton, who has not been convicted of any crime. He is the guy who called for the death penalty for the Central Park Five, these kids who are later exonerated of this brutal rape that that, that Trump was exercised about. So... You know, his belief in innocence is fairly selective, right. and it extends primarily to despots. I mean, he in the and reality, himself, and himself right, out. himself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you look at his, his, the way he approaches, you know, despots like Kim Jong-un or, or, or Mohammed bin Salman or Vladimir Putin, his presumption seems to be innocent, even when found guilty. I mean, it doesn't matter right. to him that the evidence is there that they're guilty. He will ignore it anyway.
1: So we know the Saudis were trying to cover up Jamal's death. That's why they killed him clandestinely, and that's why they denied it yeah, at it, first. They
2: lied like crazy.
1: Uh, which is with it was per- perfectly their M.O. Is Trump then, you say, complicit in that cover-up too?
2: He is up until this point. We'll see what happens going forward. I mean, I think the, the cover-up— that's a,
1: seri- that's a serious charge. I just want you to unpack his complicity in the cover-up. You're not saying he's complicit in the murder— no. You're not saying he's complicit no, I mean, in he's certainly not, silence Jamal no, Khashoggi? I mean, he's
2: certainly not directly complicit in the murder, but I think indirectly the signals that he's been sending are ones that would encourage the Saudis and other despots to act in this way. I mean, remember when Trump took his very first foreign trip, which was to Riyadh in 2017, yeah. and he basically said, you know, we're not going to judge you on what you do within your own country. Uh, and, you know, he he's embraced the Saudis. He's, he's you know, he has not uh, censured them at all, even as they've done some stuff that is pretty horrifying, including, you know, kidnapping the prime minister of Lebanon, right. their indiscriminate bombing of Yemen, their blockade of Qatar, the fact that they expelled the Canadian ambassador after Canada complained about some of their human rights abuses. Donald Trump has not stood up to the Saudis in any way, and so you can understand why if MBS, in fact, ordered this, uh, this execution— Uh, that he might have done so, at least in part, because he thought there wouldn't be a reaction from the United States. So certainly, I mean, the the culprits here are the Saudis. I mean, it's not like Donald Trump killed Jamal Khashoggi, but nevertheless, I mean, the signals that he is sending, I think, encourage this kind of misbehavior.
1: I think fair to say the Saudis, much like some other bad actors, I'd put uh, Bashar al-Assad in that category, have behaved very badly for some time, not just because they don't fear U.S., response, but sort of a dwindling uh, 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 dampening of global response, global outrage to human rights abuses, to, say, a genocide in Syria, to a uh, Myanmar refugee crisis. It feels like the world is sort of in retreat.
2: Freedom is definitely in retreat. I mean, if you look at the Freedom House survey of freedom in the world, uh, it's been in retreat for 12 years now, for 12 years, the forces of illiberalism and and dictatorship have been gaining ground at the expense of democracy. And I don't think you can separate that from the United States. I mean, it's not all our doing. We don't run the world, but we, have, we are still the most powerful country in the world. We have an influence. And so what happened 12 years ago in 2006, we were in the depths of the Iraq War, and that was basically when the U.S. basically got intervention fatigue. We, we didn't want to go out and, and stand up for our values anymore. And so President Obama didn't do very much about the Syrian civil war. And now it's gotten even worse under President Trump because he doesn't even seem to care about these values. I mean, he's just as happy to, to support dictatorships as he is to stand up for human rights.
1: So you mentioned the Obama administration. Uh, Trump's is not the first to have a cozy relationship with Saudi Arabia, as you know.
2: Of course.
1: I think some of the left and in the media were insufficiently outraged by that under Obama and maybe even all the way back to Clinton, uh, for example. But I also think there's more outrage now because a) this involves the murder of a Washington Post journalist, and b) because Trump has been brazen in his candor that a human life costs approximately 110 billion dollars in an right. arms deal.
2: Right, which is of course a fake news figure because we're not actually getting 110 right. billion from the Saudis, but Closer that's sort of 14. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. but but he says that giant figure all the time as if the Saudis could just go to somebody else for their arms, which is which is actually not the case. But he, he certainly seems to be much more interested in dollars and cents than he is in values or the ideals uh, that America has championed. And you know, I think he doesn't understand how powerful those ideas are as an instrument of American policy, because so much of our greatness has come from the fact that we have stood for certain things in the world. We have not just been another cynical, duplicitous, self-serving nation, that we have actually stood for freedom and democracy. And you know, it hasn't been consistent for sure. We've made a lot of compromises with dictators over the years. Yeah. But I've never seen a president who has so completely eschewed any kind of uh, promotion of human rights or democracy or idealism and foreign policy. I've never seen a president who has just been so crass in making clear that the only thing he cares about is his dollars and cents.
1: Do you have any confidence that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is uh, turning the screws a bit more appropriately on the Saudis or no? Well,
2: those are the leaks coming from the administration. But those leaks are coming out because, you know, a couple of days ago when Mike Pompeo met with MBS in in Riyadh, it was not the picture that, that they wanted to send out because it showed Pompeo. He wasn't reading the Riot Act MBS. He was laughing it up with him. He was, uh, you know, praising him. He was warmly shaking hands with him. That is not the signal you want to send. And by the way, I suspect the Turks didn't appreciate that either because Mm -hmm. essentially the next day they leaked details from their recordings of the grisly fate suffered by Jamal. I think to make clear that that they did not like the fact that uh, that, uh, it appeared in public, at least that Pompeo was giving a pass to the Saudis. Mm.
1: Some Democrats I'm now hearing in Congress want President Trump to reveal his personal financial ties with the Saudis. Do you think that's important?
2: I think that's imperative because You know, we need to know if the president has been compromised here. He's somebody who's bragged in the past about all the money he's made from the Saudis. And for that matter, his son's bragged about all the money they made from the Russians. We don't know what his tax returns say. We don't know what his business interests are. So it's very hard to have confidence that there are not glaring conflicts of interest here. So this is, I think, one of the most important things that can happen if Democrats win the House. They will suddenly gain subpoena power. Uh, The House Ways and Means chairman can gain access to any taxpayers' uh, tax returns. So I think there's a lot of information that needs to come out here about uh, where where exactly the president stands and, and is he uh, financially compromised in his dealings with states like Saudi Arabia. We just don't know at this point.
1: I want to read a little bit of Jamal Khashoggi's last column, which uh, The Washington Post just published posthumously. Uh, it's somewhat eerie because in it, he is advocating for more freedom of the press in the Arab world. He writes in part... Arab governments have been given free reign to continue silencing the media at an increasing rate. There was a time when journalists believed the internet would liberate information from the censorship and control associated with print media, but these governments, whose very existence relies on the control of information, have aggressively blocked the internet. They have also arrested local reporters and pressured advertisers to harm the revenue of specific publications. I mean... Those are mild in comparison, of course, to what Khashoggi himself has faced.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's that was chilling. I mean, that was just so sad to read that because, you know, he was writing about exactly the kind of conditions that led to his own death. I mean, it's it's truly tragic.
1: For people, uh, before we take a break, for people who may hear from some, I'll say, right-wing nutjobs, That Jamal Khashoggi was somehow uh, an Islamic terrorist sympathizer? What would you say to that?
2: I've heard a lot of this stuff going around on the Internet, and it's just disgusting. This is just a smear job. I mean, Jamal apparently was somebody who in the past had had belonged to the Muslim Brotherhood, but that does not make him a terrorist. And he was somebody who in more recent years had become quite secular and had supported letting women drive and had actually criticized MBS uh, for locking up uh, uh, liberal activists and had pushed for more freedom for Saudi Arabia. There is zero indication that he was a terrorist sympathizer, that he was involved in terrorists or anything else. He was a journalist. He is not somebody who deserved to be dismembered and, and killed.
1: To say the least. Uh, Max Boots, stay right there. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to Weekend Warriors. I'm SC Cup. I'm joined By Max Boot, we were talking about Jamal Khashoggi. uh, But right now, I want to shift for a second to talk about your book, While I Have You. It's new, it's out on shelves. It's called The Corrosion of Conservatism. Why I Left the Right. This is the topic most central on my mind these days, because I am a conservative who has opposed President Trump, and yet I have remained a Republican. I've been very outspokenly critical of the party and find um, a lot to not like these days. Why did you decide to leave the party?
2: Well, I left the party, I see, the day after the last election because I was afraid that the Republican Party was becoming something I could not support. And sadly, those concerns have been borne out because Donald Trump has done such violence to everything or or most everything that I believe in. I mean, he's done a few good things, no question about it. Even from a conservative perspective, I don't say that he's all bad. I mean any conservative president would have, you know, cut taxes or appointed conservative judges. But right. the cost of that is just debilitatingly high with the, you know, with the blatant racism and and, and misogyny and nativism, the attack on the rule of law, mm-hmm. the violation of the law. I mean, we tend to forget that it wasn't that long ago that the president's own lawyer implicated him in the commission of two federal crimes mm-hmm. of paying off his girlfriends in violation of federal law. And so, you know, Everything that he does day to day—I mean, even just uh, just a couple of days ago, where he was referring to his former girlfriend as horseface on 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 Twitter—I mean, you can kind of laugh and roll your eyes and say that's that's Trump being Trump. But no, this is not what you expect from an American president. Uh-huh. And conservatives uh-huh. understood that when they were attacking Bill Clinton and saying, "Where is the outrage? This is demeaning the office." And I would argue that you know Donald Trump uh, makes. Bill Clinton looked like a choir boy by comparison. So if we if we as Conservatives could not stand for what Bill Clinton did, how can we possibly support what Donald Trump does? And I
1: get all that. And I, I would throw I would throw onto the pile, I mean some of some of his policies are downright disturbing and antithetical to conservatism, sure. um, protectionism for one, yeah. uh, I would I would add child separation right. policy exactly. uh, as another. So, right. so and
2: attacking our allies, is, su- sucking up the dictators. Right. I mean, there's the a offensiveness lot of, yeah.
1: is not just rhetorical. Right. It's not just behavioral. Right. There are some policies that I no, find of uh, offensive as well. However, one could make the argument that sticking around in the party to make it better to fight for its uh, its values might be a better project. To which you say,
2: "Well, I think that's a totally reasonable case." I mean, I'm not believe me, I'm not going to pick fights with any critics of Trump. Uh, any way that you want to oppose him, in or out of the Republican Party, is perfectly fine by me, and I can understand that logic. And I have friends yeah. like Bill Kristol and others who are, like you are, mm-hmm. still very much taking that path of let me stay within the Republican Party. I just feel me personally, yeah. I, I just can't do it because uh, at the moment I'm just in despair and, and about the state of the Republican Party, and I just don't know if it's going to come back.
1: I I feel you. I really do. And for me, it was almost, it was almost out of spite. I'm not going to let this guy kick yeah. me out of the no, party I get that, that I love. I get that.
2: And you've been a Republican a lot longer than he has been.
1: Uh, well, that, that that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, what I don't get, though, is on the extreme end of, of this, this idea that you and I, to really show our displeasure with Donald Trump, must become Democrats. How do you feel about that?
2: Well, I'm not becoming a Democrat because I don't necessarily agree with the Democrats. Right. I mean, <laughs> that said, I mean, I tactically, I do urge a vote for Democrats in November because hmm you know republicans in in congress have shown they will not stand up to trump there they will not hold him accountable they will not examine his conflicts of interest they will in fact they've been acting as enablers for his obstruction of justice attacking the fbi and the justice department so i have no confidence in republicans but again i'm not going to sign up for for the democrats if they're going to be dominated by the elizabeth warren bernie sanders wing i have a lot of disagreements with those folks too right. i'm an independent right now yeah and you know i i don't I, I spent my whole life as a member of the republican conservative tribe and so i don't yeah. feel compelled to join another tribe I, i'll just enjoy my freedom for now thank you very much
1: <laughs> right um you know it's funny i've been writing about this a lot too you 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 talk about the corrosion of conservatism i talk about the conservative coma because to me it just feels like our values our values are always there right conservatism is a set value uh it's 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 a fixed value set right. and so just because you don't like it or just because it's out of favor, it doesn't mean it's gone anywhere. But it does feel like the biggest mouthpieces of the movement, namely the GOP and the Republican president, are not really speaking much to conservative values right now. So to me, it just feels dormant and will be reawakened at some point. Do you think that's maybe... The future here
2: I hope so I, I honestly don't know because in some ways the the most depressing thing about this is not just the fact that Donald Trump is so antithetical to conservative values as I've always understood them but the fact that while assaulting conservative values he has maintained the support of 80 to 90 percent of Republicans and that yeah. that's what really causes me to despair about the future yeah. of the party because most Republicans are saying they're fine with this or they even approve of it right and you know initially I think a lot of Republicans kind of had a hands-off attitude towards Trump saying well you know, we have a lot of doubts about this guy. Maybe he can do one or two good things. But yeah. now I think they're becoming more and more complicit. They're drinking the yeah. Kool-Aid. And now it's not just we have some doubts about this guy. Now it's he's the greatest president ever. He's the most conservative president since yeah. Ronald Reagan. I mean, just the accolades keep pouring out. And and I just, you know, I, I look at this guy and I'm just appalled every day by what he does and the way he embarrasses the office and embarrasses the United States. Well,
1: I get all the time uh, from, you know, family, friends former, you know, conservative friends. Um what happened to you, Essie? Nothing. I I haven't changed. Right. I am the same person yeah. who believes in the same things I did in right. 2015. Right. It feels like y'all have changed your your values, your ideas, the things you believe in, the principles. Uh It's uh, it's a lonely place for people like us, but um, I'm I'm grateful for you and for your book. It's The Corrosion of Conservatism, Why Left the Right. Max Boot, thanks for joining me on Weekend Warriors. Thanks for having me
2: on. Good conversation.
0: When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level.